being programmed to chill a show about business crime parapolitics and esoterica with your host jimmy fallon gong so i so where so where are we now what are we like at the bombing or yeah i think we were getting right up to that yeah without getting sidetracked into the nuts and bolts of the case right for the events of the oklahoma city bombing and without doing a full chronology and so forth what are some of the more convincing facts that you have just to i guess rattle off to suggest that timothy mcveigh was not acting alone on that day and i guess other than also terry nichols and so forth well terry nichols yeah and terry nichols Mm. was never never there no terry nichols was never like a claim like they never claimed he was at the site and you know he wasn't his alibi is, is good for that but i mean there was no they actually during trial couldn't even put they couldn't place mcveigh at the site on the morning of april 19 because every witness that saw him saw him with somebody else and this is i mean scores and scores like of witnesses like everyone sees him everyone that sees him sees him with somebody else um i mean and that's just not even indicative of a broader conspiracy but that mm-hmm. i just that's one reason i would think maybe he wasn't acting alone another is because he privately would say he wasn't acting alone um you know and in fact there's one jones team investigator that that he, he pretty much laid out um who he was dealing with and 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 that guy by the way is the guy who is like uh ends up at oliphant's property and uh mcveigh kinds of basically directs him over in that direction to to oliphant but uh the the guy told me that he would he would take that with him to his grave. I mean, and not because he's trying to hide things, but because he's scared for his fucking life and the life of his family. Um, and, and so when you meet somebody, and, and this guy was 100% sincere, like, and he's saying, like, look, they told me where to go and who to talk to. And he, he tells me that they was a was a kid uh, he was like a soldier in a larger army but he he will also say like uh, and by the way like you know there's fbi agents involved in this or there's also some some malfeasance going on um and it's not just a bunch of neo nazis there's also there's people that are being protected mm. and this investigator reported being like heavily harassed and surveilled and fucked with um just just trying to look into this as part of the defense team um when i know i i try to reflect on that question and it's almost just like what doesn't convince me that you know what what would what would maybe a better question is what would convince me that he was acting alone like there's just nothing show that he's acting wrong yeah it's more like the preponderance of evidence already points to like a conspiracy right yeah yeah i mean i would say that the uh the missing surveillance tapes from from the morning of the bombing of which there are a bunch 
but especially the one that was like right on the mirror that um there's like a picture of it of it being removed and then it just fucking disappears and that is one of the issues in, in just in trinity's ongoing case but uh you know why is that missing and why is there a picture of a guy taking it away then if it never existed like just come on mm-hmm. um the in the and then and then prior to mcveigh's rolling up in the writer numerous scores of people in oklahoma city including like including like you know well-respected lawyers including including uh police officers they see the bomb squad out that morning like and there's they see the bomb squad out that morning they they were out that morning and uh why would that be why would they be out there yeah that's so freaking weird yeah i mean i i roger charles like said you know, they they knew and even McVeigh's arrest like it wasn't because he didn't have a license like because he is like missing a license plate it's because they were already watching him he had already like somebody was monitoring this plot now what happened and I know mm-hmm. you didn't get to this yet but like as I said probably earlier on and, and when we started this is that like McVeigh is arrested Mm-hmm. And he's taken the Tinker Air Force Base, and he's appointed two public defenders. Can I ask, by the way, real quick? And I know I'm not trying yeah, to yeah, yeah. perpetually yeah, sprawl everything, but Tinker Air Force no. Base. Why was he taken uh-huh. there specifically? Right? Isn't that is that not kind of a weird versus like a county jail or something, or a federal jail? Maybe like I guess I have heard. I, 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 what I've heard is that or one way I've heard this explained, anyways, is that. Oh, first of all, McVeigh sits in a in like a like a, a hold on jail before he's identified as uh, the bombing suspect. But when they do identify okay. him, that he's a security threat. Like, like oh, who knows okay. what kind of mad Oklahomans or or whoever is going to try to get to him? Like, it was supposedly to possibly to protect him however like there are okay so he was in a normal jail at first yeah he's he's arrested like shortly after the bombing but he's arrested on something else like he's arrested for not Mm -hmm. forget what the exact charges are here uh well i'm sorry like driving without a license or something yeah it's driving without a license plate and then in the in the course of like that interaction because then he admits that he's got a loaded weapon, but doesn't have a permit for it. So he's taken in, I guess, on that charge rather than the license plate. Um, yeah. And so, and that's interesting because, all right, well, let me just go into that. 90 minutes after the bombing, uh, the bomb explodes in Oklahoma City and about 60 miles north of there, uh, McVeigh is pulled over for driving without a rear license plate. He's a ends up arrested. Oh, for driving an unregistered vehicle and carrying an unregistered concealed pistol. Mm. Um, for some reason, the name on the booking card lists him as Bruce James McVeigh, which is I've never seen explained. Um, but his attorneys are like, "What's up with that?" But anyways, 
I mean, he it appears to have given them the right name. How you mixed him up with Bruce, I don't know. About 10 hours later, those guys that I told you about Lands and Jacks, those drifters, they that's when they check into Perry, Oklahoma, which is where he's being held. But he's not being held as a bombing suspect. He's just being held on like a local um, in scale small charge. Mm-hmm. At that point, actually, Roger Moore is content- contacting bail bondsmen on his behalf to arrange mm-hmm. bail. So Roger Moore and Tim McVeigh supposedly have had a falling out by this time and are no longer friends. But like for whatever reason, Roger Moore is attempting to bail him out. Stephen Jones, who ends up later being McVeigh's attorney, tells terrorism expert Stephen Sloan that McVeigh's arrest in Perry had been detrimental to the federal investigation um, of the bombing because there are indications that the FBI had a lead on Tim the day before the bombing or the next day and had tracked him to Perry and they wanted to wait until Tim was bonded out via Roger Moore um, to keep following him and to see where he went. But the local Perry arrests screwed things up for the FBI. Roger Charles has a slightly different take, but all of these involve like that McVeigh is being watched. Like there was clear knowledge that something was going down in Oklahoma City that morning. Mm. But he's not identified as the like the bomber or a suspect until until two days later and that and at that point he's taken to uh he's taken to tinker air force base which uh some some of my friends on twitter are gonna not be heavy but i don't like that whole kathy o'brien um (laughs) stuff like i think they're uh i just feel like a lot of that stuff there's a lot of crap mixed into what to to reality like i think that there's a a large amount of crap did kathy o'brien talk about tinker yeah she i guess i'm not aware she did she said that uh that's one of the sites where Mm. where she had been um mind controlled I haven't read her book yet because I, <laughs> I have oh the perception that it's a bunch of bullshit mixed in. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like uh, it's like <laughs> gross porn for people that are interested in MK Ultra. It's just yeah, yeah. That's what my buddy was saying. He actually saw her once give a presentation, oh. and he was just like, "What am I doing with my life? This sucks." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 but. Just uh, interestingly, though, she does talk about Tinker um, mm. Air Force Base, and I don't know, I don't know, you know, what if any Tinker's role has been in actual things, but yeah, just, but he, but what, but what is interesting is that uh, there's rumors that start right yeah. about that guy, Doctor Charlie West, who justice for Tusca. <laughs> yeah yeah that was in oklahoma was it not you know um cypress hill put out a few years ago an album and there's like a song it's it's instrumental but it's about tusco there's like allusions to west throughout the album which i found mm-hmm. like mind-blowing i was like what cypress hill knows about tusco would not have thought <laughs> yeah 
and I and I like Saifu, so so I, I, that was just weird to see. But anyway, yeah, Tusco. Mm. Uh, you know, okay, here we are. Here we go. So there have always been rumors about Jolly West and, and like that he mind controls Tim McVeigh. Mm-hmm. And the woman Linda Thompson, I, I that like appeared at Waco, and she was good friends with Bill Cooper. And actually, yeah, go off on that other trail. But she called the FBI, uh, I think, on April twenty fifth, and she says, "Like FBI, listen, <laughs> there's a." And this is all my paraphrase because now I'm going without my notes. She says, "Like FBI, hey, I gotta tell you." Tim McVeigh is being mind controlled by a guy named Jolly West, and you have to do <laughs> everything in your power to pre- to prevent him from taking out the tracking chip in McVeigh, because like then we'll never know who's behind us. Like why, even if that was real, like why would you tell the FBI? I don't know. Anyway, she she reports this, but then she says a bunch of other like really crazy things. Mm. Um, but that's the first instance that I've ever I could ever find of rumors of Jolly West's involvement in this. But what is true, and we're going to talk more about West in a minute, but what is true is that on the day McVeigh arrives at Tinker Air Force Base, Jolly West, then head of UCLA's Neuropsychiatric Institute, also shows up in Oklahoma City to coordinate a psychological trauma team for survivors and first responders. On behalf of the American Psychological Association. Don't like the sound of that. No, I don't either because, first of all, Jolly West has a a very strange background. But he doesn't just show up to help help bombing victims. I don't, that's not Mm -hmm. in his... Not in his resume, but uh, and my book, and I just for whoever hasn't read it, like it it provides to date, I believe, the longest and most extensive probe in the Jolly West. And I gotta say, I I've never seen more information on Jolly West anywhere. So, like, thank you. I believe that to be true. I have only, you know, informally surveyed the literature, but like, yeah, for sure. I, no, I mean, I, 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 I feel like I surveyed everything public, uh, everything available at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, that was that has been published, and like, uh, pr- pr- pretty sure it is the most extensive. Now I hear that O'Neill. Um, Tom O'Neill, who wrote Chaos? Like, I hear that the next book is going to be more about about West, and so in thirty years we'll get to read it. I'm sorry, I can cut. Yeah, that. <laughs> oh, I don't care. I mean, yeah, I would if you feel like it, but I mean, I do. I, like, I've heard that that that's the focus of another book mm-hmm. of his, but like, but I just, yeah. Anyways, Aberration came out. In 2016. So I I have to go back and tell you that I misspoke um, that after McVeigh is taken to Tinker, 
he's transferred to El Reno Federal Correction Facility, about 25 miles from Oklahoma City. And that is the day that Linda Thompson calls. It's, it is not while he's at Tinker, it's while he's at mm. El Reno. But, but what does happen while he's in Tinker is that Jolly West shows up uh, to coordinate the psychological trauma team. <laughs> and so we were, so he, McVeigh is immediately appointed um, two public defenders who quickly recuse themselves from the case and they tell the next lawyer who ends up being like the, the one that sticks with him throughout until his conviction. They tell him, when you know everything we know, you're never going to think of the United States the same. And what McVeigh ha- tells them, first thing he tells them, these are his lawyers, is that I did what I did while operating under the confines of the United States government, he says that while in the National Guard, he was recruited to infiltrate neo-Nazi groups. And remember, this is before the word PATCON, like nobody knew except for the people in PATCON, what Pat, a PATCON was. Yeah. But he, he says, I was, I was tasked with infiltrating neo-Nazi groups. And uh, when I came across, again, this is me paraphrasing, the exact words are in the book. When I came across this plot, this bombing plot, I, I, I informed my you know, handlers or superiors, and I was told to stick with it. I was told just keep keep with it. And uh, Tim McVeigh at that point says, I don't know what happened. Like, I don't, I'm not sure if somebody switched the trucks or what, but we were only supposed to blow out a couple of windows. That's what he claims. Whatever you might make of that, but later he's confronted with this and he gets really upset because he doesn't think that that's going, he, he gets really mad because at this point he's telling a lone wolf story. And he said, uh, you know, he basically says there's some truth to it and some of it's not true. Like that's how he explains this away. The problem is he kept telling that before and after, like he had been telling that story. So, mm-hmm. so that is, that is strange, but that is what he tells his first attorneys. But um, and they do tell his later attorneys, but not much can be made of this. And tell me, so what do his first lawyers end up doing after? I guess like withdrawing from the case. Oh, they quit. Yeah. The, they quit the case. Well, they just quit it. I don't know what they went on to do. That they, they never. They will not talk about it. Like they, mm. they they're very. I mean, and and technically there is still attorney-client privilege there. Like, I never should have seen that, what I saw. And Jones probably never should have wrote about it, but um, they just, they didn't do anything with it. They mm-hmm. just, they, they told Jones, though, like, dude, when you know what we know, uh, your mind's going to be blown. Yeah. The thing is, like, that McVeigh, in the earlier stories and the later stories, he says he's recruited while at that special forces tryout, but then he's activated during the National Guard. So whether, like someone actually, we were talking about this on, on Twitter, I think maybe yesterday, but he's like, well, that's a conflicting story, but it really isn't when, if you think of it in terms of he gets activated in National Guard. Yeah, like recruited in special forces where they're like, you're going to be doing something. And then like in National Guard, it's like, here's what you're doing. Uh, yeah, it's not right. Not 
really a contradiction. I don't, I don't, I don't see it that way. I, I do wish I would have like possibly explained that a little bit better. But also, I'm reading. Um, it's like secondhand accounts. So it's not like a verbatim transcript either. So, yeah. Um, but uh, right. So I guess you had to ask me a question that I never really completely answered, which is why I would think McVeigh wasn't acting alone. And I guess that's just like there's just so much that I can't even conceive of believing that he did at this point um and it and i would suggest roger charles book but then i'd also suggest in bad company and then and then my book yeah and again i had to i like i come i came to this conclusion that that had been covered and it hit because roger charles book came out in 2012 it comes up it comes up before mine so i felt it was sufficient like i don't need to i think i even i had a draft chapter laying out all that stuff but I didn't need it like I can just refer back to these other sources I, I didn't need to do it mm-hmm. I mean I, I would just challenge anybody that thinks McVeigh acted alone like I would say why do you think that and the answer <laughs> is gonna come back one of two reasons A because McVeigh said it or B because the FBI said it in the Department of Justice neither of those are good enough answers <laughs> Talk about which one's more untrustworthy. Right. So, so maybe, yeah, maybe ask, <laughs> I'm not talking to anyone particular here, but maybe ask yourself why, why do you think it, why do you think that? I guess that, that sounds silly, like childish and me, but. No, I mean, like the, like the government had to make their case and they made a really bad case. It's, it's on them to prove what happened right like it is and in in what in a situation that i i believe jones called kafka-esque like mcveigh kept changing his story to fit <laughs> the fbi's story every single time he learned like okay this is what they're gonna do he'd be like he'd change his story to be like yeah that's what i did you know and and a lot of people are it's so funny sometimes people tell me like you should read american terrorists Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> Holy shit. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I fir- first of all, that's the first book I ever read on the bombing, but that was a million, million years ago before I even did, you know, was, uh, that was the first book I read. Later, as I said, I would read all of the complete notes of those conversations and, in fact, sat in a basement and transcribed every <laughs> all of them because you couldn't make copies. And uh, <laughs> so... so I would say this, the story you hear in American Terrorists is not uh, the full story of what Tim McVeigh ends up talking about. Like, there's little bits and pieces there that were conveniently left out. Interesting. If McVeigh's involved in a bank robbery, I I don't know. This just doesn't fit with that tightly tight package that they present. It's okay (laughs) for things to be messy, but it's... I think it's less it's less okay for them to be like too tightly tied up when it doesn't fit. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> when all of the excised portions just tend to undermine the case and so forth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is 
actually, as I was preparing, I found some of those old notes I used uh, <laughs> during that unfortunate coast to coast interview that I was made to do. <laughs> but they might actually be the the most um, I don't know, efficient here in this case. Yeah, I would just again say there's a lot of other sources out there that can take you through the moments, like every hour mm-hmm. of that of that day of, of April 19, 1995. So there's some things I gonna take you on another little walk here because there's something I want to tell you. <laughs> yeah. So. Now, Wendy, understanding that this is a very loaded question with a lot of uh, (laughs) discussion required, and Lord knows that's true for everything we've talked about today, but (laughs) now the Jones team, right? That's the legal team that was with McVeigh for the rest of the time, right? Yes, right, right, right. Now, the Jones team did psychiatric evaluations on, or they ordered psychiatric evaluations on Timothy McVeigh. What did, uh, what did those psychiatric evaluations find? I'm just going to say the first time Jones meets with McVeigh on May 5th, the first thing McVeigh says is I'm not brainwashed, which Jones is like, (laughs) okay, weird. The most brainwashed thing to say. (laughs) Okay. Like I, nobody ever. Yeah. But he, did, he notes that, like, that's strange. Um, but what happens is they're, like, keeping him in isolation. And and eventually they start to, first of all, they need a, an evaluation of his mental state. But also he's, like, in isolation. He's, like, getting weird enough that they send in. Before I get to that, I'm going to say this, that the only acknowledgement of a relationship between McVeigh and any mental health expert, like, and I mean a psychologist or psychiatrist, is the one who found him fit to stand trial, a guy named Dr. John Smith, who has passed away now, um, but was the only one to, like, make public statements about meeting with McVeigh. Yeah, and, like, fit to stand trial is, like, a very specific definition that doesn't preclude any of the other things that we're going to also talk about correct correct me if that's I'm right wrong. that's right that's right it would it's only in i it's been a while uh but like if you had did not have the capacity to like if you didn't have agency and you didn't understand right from wrong and it's it's a much like fit to stand trial doesn't mean you don't have a whole lot of problems anyways Mm-hmm. And and for the purposes of his criminal trial, like McVeigh was adamant, adamant that like he did not want any psychological um, findings. So so Dr. Smith supposedly only meets with McVeigh once, but in reality, there's a whole team of psychologists and psychiatrists that are meeting with McVeigh. As early as June 8th, right up until his conviction. And then I don't know what happens afterwards, after the conviction, but it's long enough to see this. The, the, I have the records showing um, a whole, whole team of psychologists and psychiatrists. 
Smith, his first evaluation, first of all, the court immediately seals all the psycho, the psychological records of McVeigh and Nichols and like, but Smith diagnoses McVeigh with depression and PTSD. Smith's diagnosis on June 18th did include long-term significant depressive illness and PTSD, but also paranoia, character personality disorders, borderline personality disorder, and obsessive features, grandiose features of a perfectionist. Um, but McVeigh kept saying that this was bullshit and... Uh, for whatever reason, about a week after that, the Jones team starts to look into army enlistees subjected to brainwashing and electronic mind control experiments. <laughs> I was born in the blast of a furnace of steel and I wondered what shape I would be. I was hard, I was cold, I was just a day old, and I wondered what future I'd see. Then a rough pair of hands fashioned pieces of steel and a handle of smooth, silky wood. And an arm held me out while the eye of the man kept staring as hard as he could. I was fitted with bullets, with jackets of steel, and then taken outside in the light. Then he aimed me direct at a man on a horse, and his hand squeezed me tighter than tight. A bursting of fire exploded inside me, sent flying a comet of heat. As the smoke cleared away, I could see straight ahead the man who lay dead in the street. I'm a gun. I'm a gun Till the day that man destroys me I'm a gun It's not the gun that kills a man It's the man who fires a gun that kills a man It's not the gun that kills a man Try to call out, but my steel has no tongue, and to men I am only a slave. I've never forgotten that terrible day and that man that I couldn't save. No one knows what it means to be held in a hand, to be pointed and triggered to kill, to be labeled a gun with no power to stop all the blood that man's shooting will spill. It's a pity a man cannot live to the age of a mountain, the desert, or the sea. Only then would he learn that to kill or be killed wasn't something that needed to be. Maybe someday, somehow, when all men will meet, they will bury their guns in the ground. I hope that they bury me deep, so deep, so deep that I'll never be found. I'm a gun, I'm a gun, till the day that man destroys me, I'm a gun, it's not the gun. 
gun that kills a man. It's the man who fires a gun that kills a man. It's not the gun that kills a man. I'm a gun. A gun. So they they start sending in more specialists. Um, I'm going to say there's like about five, although sometimes I, I have found more since I even wrote the book. But taken together, this was something that was never discussed publicly. This whole team came to say that McVeigh was fragmented, paranoid, delusional, highly suggestible amnesiac, suffering from PTSD, as well as ex an extreme form of <laughs> PTSD called dissociative personality disorder. Mm. Fragmented, paranoid, delusional, highly suggestible amnesiac, suffering from PTSD, as well as ex an extreme form of <laughs> PTSD called dissociative personality disorder. And a review of the literature, like these are all related to each other. Like they, they all have relations to each other. Yeah, amnesia, dissociative personality disorder, which used to be called multiple personality disorder, but that's kind of a, a, a way oversimplification. They also noted that he was highly suggestible. So so that's kind of the the overall, like overarching like diagnoses that are given and I, I explain a lot of these terms in in the book but I guess Dr. Smith where do I want to go with this so, so that is the diagnoses very interesting um, about the dissociative and amnesiac um, labels and, and the suggestibility label but McVeigh doesn't just see Dr. Smith once. McVeigh keeps seeing Dr. Smith un until the point of his execution. And there's like login records and actual reports by Smith. And sometimes, like sometimes McVeigh doesn't want, he'll like every once in a while be like, I don't want to fucking talk to any of these shrinks except for Smith. He keeps, he's like, I want to like Smith for some reason. So I'm just going to say that Smith is a student of Dr. Jolly West <laughs> in Oklahoma. So Smith is a student. He's not just someone that read about Jolly West. Like He is his student. And at some point, and this is in the book, that, that the Jones team calls... Jolly West, and there's a transcript of this conversation, and the transcript implies that they they have spoken to him before. This is it was like they're picking back up on another conversation. Hmm. West pioneered various methods used to control people. Of course, everyone's familiar with MK Ultra, and West, but West was a pioneer of MK Ultra, a major player in this program. West had some interesting clients, including Jack Ruby. <laughs> which is I go into that in the in the book the circumstances and I believe O'Neill does well like how West becomes involved with Ruby but he also um dealt with Patty Hearst 
West was instrumental in the the PSYOPs and torture manual, the creation of the Kubark. Yeah. Yeah. Also 1983 human resource exploitation manual. Mm -hmm. He tested LSD on elephants and hippies. He began his career, like he really cut his teeth on Korean war veterans who had uh, given (laughs) so-called false confessions. Like he really made his name off of that. Mm -hmm. He pioneered um, theories of dissociative identity disorder. um, And one was one of the very first people to write about this phenomenon. I mean, in a, in a modern sense, you know, because you could say that this, that phenomenon is old as time, but like he made it clinical. Mm-hmm. He uh, at one point proposed this <laughs> very dystopian center, the Center for uh, the Reduction of Violence, which was going <laughs> to be in a like a, a abandoned middle base in California, um, where he wanted to predict and track violent people, mainly. Black people and Hispanics, and that's just the kind of guy West was. I think he wanted to do like psychosurgery on them too, which would be like lobotomizing them. Oh hell yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah, it's wild shit. He wanted to fuck with kids, it's like, and that was one of the things that I think disturbed the people at the time. Like he wanted to take basically inner city kids and bring them into a weird, this weird center and decide and like track them. And predict whether they're violent or not but of course <laughs> you can also read that as like um, this would also be a fertile grounds for creating a violent person which is his forte mm-hmm. you know and i believe now we're in your territory <laughs> <laughs> the program to kill the whole program to kill feces yeah yep 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 <laughs> so mcveigh is meeting as this is going on, as he is uh, meeting with like um, psychologists and psychiatrists um, pretty frequently, and not just Smith, but others, he's also having a lot of health problems, and he is continuing his dental appointments. And I, I lay those out kind of <laughs> date by date. Um, and he still keeps saying he only had one cavity, which I'm never going to understand. Um, I mean, unless someone wants to explain it to me, which has never happened. Um, but so, so they contact Jones teams, Jones team contacts Jolly West and Jolly West is like, yeah, you know, oh yeah, I, I, uh, I knew Jack Ruby. He's like, I've never written about it. You know, I just didn't have the heart is like what he says. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, like, you basically make a guy go insane, like, yeah, I would feel bad about it, too. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm just going to say that, like, the the last, I don't know, like, a big chunk of the last of the last part of my book is, is about West and his career. Um, I bet you're going to beat O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, just, what? So the Jolly West punch? Just both to the Jolly West punch and also just probably to publishing in general and so forth. Oh my goodness. 
<laughs> yeah, and and well, yeah, and and the what the holdup on that second book is that's that comes later. But I, you know, like he's he's pioneering counterinsurgency uh, type stuff. Uh, oh my man. My man. It's so funny because you can become, I think, so familiar with something that you almost like lose it. Like you just yeah. absorb it. No, totally. Mm. Valley West was interesting to me. You know, when I found these uh, records that 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 at the very least the defense team had called West, uh, like had some conversations with West, I was like, wow, okay. But still, there was nothing to show um anything other than a conversation but then when i learned found that smith was jolly west student i was like well maybe that explains it and and, and that's kind of where i leave it in my book because that's what i all i had at the time mm-hmm. so after aberration came out basically in aberration i conclude well I couldn't find it. I couldn't find uh, the link. But like, I could not, I cannot prove that West had any dealings directly with McVeigh. What I can prove is that his student, his mentee did, and that all mm-hmm. these other like uh, psychologists did. And here are the diagnoses they came at, all of which are suggestive. But after Aberration was published, I received... I was contacted by one of the members of that uh, mental health team that had met with McVeigh. And what they told me was that they had signed a non-disclosure and had never talking, like spoken about the case before, but and they had checked with their lawyer. And because I used their name in the book, I had kind of broken that seal like i published it oh. because because i found the names and i put it out there and technically that then gave this person the ability to to, to talk to me and, and they said i read your book they made no arguments they at no time said <laughs> i was wrong what they said <laughs> was like i want you to comment um and i want to talk to you and they said i i, I have never even told my spouse this because I was like legally not allowed to, but I want I want I want to tell you something. So I want to talk to you about this. Oh yeah. I mean I got I got contacted after aberration by some interesting <laughs> interesting people and uh and and I, I have been given good information. This one is important though, um I think like I don't, yeah, 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 well, it'll become clear in a second, but I went, so at, okay, I'm going to say this too. At that point, I felt I had exhausted, as far, I had taken the uh, West McVeigh connection as far as I possibly could, mm-hmm. and like, I was working on the second book, and the that isn't really the McVeigh show, although, of course, he's in there and is relevant, it's like, not, wasn't going to focus on McVeigh again um and so this person says before you talk to me I want you to sign something saying anything you publish 
um, you'll using my name, you'll run it through me first. And because I wasn't planning on continuing to write about McVeigh specifically, and because I'm like, what the fuck? I have to hear what this person has to say. Mm-hmm. I I did sign this thing. So I went out and I, I talked to them. And, you know, it I was like, okay, you know, like anything's interesting, right? Any any of these experiences are interesting. And eventually I bring the conversation around to like what I really want to know, which is um do, do you know if uh, like a guy named Dr. Jolly West um, from UCLA, like, do you know, did you ever hear of him visiting McVeigh? <laughs> and he, and the person says no, but, and kind of like flew past it and, and started talking about something else. And I bring it back around again. And at that point, I am told to turn off my tape recorder. And I turn off a tape recorder. And they say, like, looking at me, and they say, um, I never understood why they kept sending him in there. <laughs> <laughs> he is referring to, to Jolly West. And I'm like, what, well, what, what do you mean? He's like, I, I just, I didn't understand why they, they kept sending him in there. But he, this person says they were not privy to what happened, only that, yes. And then basically, in so many words, is like, it wasn't just one time that, that he had been in there uh, more than once. He doesn't give me exact, and it was, Definitely was something he did not want uh, um, recorded and did not want his name associated with. Did not. And and by the way, I, over the years, I asked many people on the defense team, hey, Jolly West and Stephen Jones himself told me, I don't know what you're talking about, except (laughs) for that I found that fucking conversation with him and Jolly West. Like, I mean, (laughs) you know, like he's a, Stephen Jones is the one that told me about the archives, and I'm like, oh shit, I know what I'm doing for the next five years, right? <laughs> like, and that's where I find this conversation. But it wasn't just Jones. Like, a lot of people said that to me. Like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Now that defense team was compartmentalized, so it is 100% plausible. And especially there was one attorney on there that I just I believe was sincere, and they did not know, they did not rule it out. But they're like, not that I know of. And and that seemed to be the consensus other than Jones, who said, no. Well, this person <laughs> that also, like, this person said that, yes, West was in there. And uh, that West had been sent in there more than once, although they didn't say a number. They just said that they didn't understand why. But that, you know, like, they had a limited job and a limited role. And uh, that that was that. And then... You know, this it was clear that I wasn't getting more out of this person. And so I want to say that. I want to say that since publication of aberration, that happened. That I have one person that has said, and this was the one person on the mental health team, which was a group of people that 
we're dealing with McVeigh that has said this to me and said it to me under the condition that it was not recorded and not tied to their name. Mm-hmm. Um, now, to be just to um, cut off any, you know, like I am aware that I may have been told this for reasons other than the kindness of their heart and that like it, it's possible this it was obvious that that would be what I was after. You know, it is also possible that that is 100% legitimate story, but it is the only time I've been told that. And it's the only like uh, substantial link other than the Dr. Smith and the recorded phone calls between West and the defense team. But if you look at all of the people that West dealt with um, in his career, it wouldn't even make sense if he didn't go see McVeigh. <laughs> like, he would suck yeah, if he didn't. He was in town. Like, we know he was there. We know that his, like, his tutor, basically, his, like, pupil was there. Like... You you have a guy saying that West was there. Like this is like very very plausible. I I tried so hard. Like I just was I was hung up on it, and that's why <laughs> I end up with this whole like million pages. You know this huge chunk about West is because like I kept trying to get to get get to uh, the bottom of this, and also also figure out like what are the why if it's not true, why are these stories being told? And I think I established that, but but right, the the link I, that I <laughs> I was I oh I was so excited to tell you the story because you're the first person you know to to hear this publicly. I I did mention this uh, to uh, one other researcher. Mm. No, but but I like one of the reasons I wanted to do this in the beginning um, was to was to say that, and now I I feel like I haven't said it smoothly, but I've said it. Oh yeah, no, and like what's great too is that like through my show at least <laughs> a significant portion of people who quote-unquote know who dr jolly on west is are now going to know that too it's it's so cool yeah i have seen like when i first got on twitter when it was not that long ago <laughs> um it's probably evident but, but i have seen discussions uh, about west and it's like mm-hmm. he was controlling mcveigh and other people will be like well wendy painting couldn't prove that and, and like there's no real like that can't be said factually and and i mm-hmm. i'm I like biting my cheeks and my tongue like <laughs> oh and i didn't want to just like intervene in those discussions on twitter like this is yeah. something yeah bigger no so, for sure um uh, i was just about smith during his imprisonment tim mcveigh kept talking about a, a, a chip of being implanted with something. Mm-hmm. In order to make sense of this, I do also somewhat uh, talk about the history and use of those types of devices and the plausibility or non plausibility of that. Yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Um, let's see here. Oh man, I feel like I'm gonna be thinking about it. So, let me ask you this. Okay, Timothy McVeigh decided to go along with the FBI's story, right? Yeah. To <laughs> to what extent do you think potential visits by Doctor West could have been a factor in that? Oof. So that's the first thing I think of. If I was going to be very generous, uh, I like the most the most mild interpretation. Knowing West, like no having a, a grasp on his whole fucking career, I, and I would say at the minimal, he's there to short to to like um how am i going to say this let me say this to you informally and if it sounds mm-hmm. good then keep it and if it doesn't it'd be like uh let me go like i'm being jolly west now. let me go in there and like put you under and, and reinforce the story you know you're supposed to tell mm-hmm. um and I mean that's that's the minimal explanation. Now, West was had and had written about you know the implanting of false memories and how you how you can do this. So then the next level would be well, he's put not just that maybe has a script he's supposed to keep, but perhaps he's being given the script at this time, and this possibly explains how. He goes from telling his first lawyer's one story to the first thing he says to Jones a couple weeks later is, I'm not brainwashed. I, I, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, what do you make what do you make of it actually? I mean, just like simple stuff like him being like, Yeah, I've only ever had one cavity in my life. And it's like you literally have like it can be proven that you have had more cavities than that what are you talking about you know like weird things like that just sort of perhaps point to something right he seems to legitimately believe this yeah yeah and and even his like the other non-west psych team who are like even they are saying he's highly suggestible Mm -hmm. he's amnesic He's got severe PTSD, which like it just really wreaks havoc with one's memory. <laughs> the grounds are there, and yeah, there's things that can't be explained, like things that are like you said, like with the teeth, all the very obvious things, like hey, dude, we know we were here, and he really legitimately, in the face of that evidence, does is like bewildered, mm-hmm. um, to the point where at one point he he is concerned that perhaps there was another person impersonating him. I mean, it's... Yeah. I think that it ex- it explains, because so so Tim's story, he it would, like, slip up. So, like, he would be like, I'm the lone, well, let's, I'm just paraphrasing, obviously. I, I did this, I did this alone. But then, like, he would kind of break down and start to confess, like, okay, yeah, other people are involved. Only to go back and be further adamant about the lone wolf version of events. And so in, in that sense, I go see Westroll 
or the role of a student, Smith, as kind of shoring that up. And like when when the story starts to erode, like the the story isn't sticking, they have to come back in and uh, uh, fix it. I mean, if I have, I, I hope everyone, I hope you know, like it's speculation, mm-hmm. although I don't think it's out of the ballpark. It's not like out of. It's not exactly like crazy speculation that the the spooky ass MK Ultra Doctor, the spookiest person <laughs> it could possibly be. Like you can only really uh-huh. name one or two people spookier than that. Like. No, even really. I mean, it's like yeah. a lateral amount of spooky. Like he's one of the spookiest people yeah, yeah. ever to live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, so so there you have it. Yeah. I and I don't know. I mean, I can only speculate. And I and now, so now that I know that, it is possible that in the second book, I would have a kind of a update. You know that that there may be more. I, like again, I had never planned to write about West again because I was sick at heart and I tried the best I could and I, I got as far as I got and I put it all in aberration and then bam. But now that I have that, that changes things. You know, mm-hmm. um, one thing I need to do is go out to <laughs> UCL and I had meant to do this and after aberration was published, like still just out of my own curiosity, um, I wanted to go to those archives that the O'Neill went into but I I didn't really have a good reason because I, I couldn't I wasn't writing about it you know it was just something I wanted to do for fun but now I would say I have a good reason to to get yeah. in those papers so yeah yeah I, I I will like so the situation with those archives and like was they only let you go in them for a couple hours a day and um, unless I was couch surfing there would be no way I could spend that much time like I couldn't afford there's no no one could to mm-hmm. just like stay there and stay there for months um, and the, the circumstances that they allow researchers to go in is so limited like when mm-hmm. I was in the McVeigh archives I would spend seven hours non-stop in there for weeks at a time and did that every I don't know every time I had a break from school basically um, but their archives aren't, don't have, at least last time I checked, it was very limited hours. and It just wasn't um, feasible at that point. Interesting limitation. Yeah, but that seem, doesn't seem to be just his stuff. It's like, mm. I don't know, their, which is weird because UCLA is a big school, right? Why? Yeah. What's up with your archives? But, and I don't know. Yeah, I would I would love to see those archives. And now and I would be, of course, everything Jolly West is interesting. While I wasn't planning on continue, continuing that line of writing, um, now I I at least have to make um, you know, a an, an update. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like this will probably lead me further, you know, so um, but before I die or something weird happens to me, I, I mean, and I don't think it would happen to me over West, but like, I just, I do need it to be known because I don't want the final word to be like, well, Wendy Painting said West wasn't there because I did say that I couldn't find it. And then this other thing happened. Mm-hmm. 
Definitely. Oof. <laughs> you have just finished listening to an episode of Program to Chill, where I interviewed Wendy Painting. If you're listening to this, please consider donating to Wendy's coffee. What is a coffee? It's like a GoFundMe, but spelled differently. For the cost of a cup of coffee, or more if you're so inclined, you can help Wendy continue her research so we can get that second book out sooner. You can find that link in the show notes. Please support independent researchers like Wendy. And if you're listening to this on the free side, you can subscribe to my Patreon to hear these Wendy painting interview episodes sooner than the weekly release date, as well as a whole back catalog of interesting content to make your chores easier or to make your shitty job more tolerable. Guaranteed. Thank you. God bless. Look what they've done to my song, Ma. Look what they've done to my song. Well, it's the only thing I could do half right to turn it out all wrong, Ma. Look what they've done to my soul. Look what they've done to my brain. Look what they've done to my brain. Yeah, they picked it like chicken bone and they think I'm happy insane. Look what they've done to my brain. Wish I could find a book to Shook me upside down.